0: podcast: The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football, in association with Soccer Connecting football for 25 years. Hello and welcome to the Football co Business Podcast. I'm your host Alex Manby, and in this pod I'm talking to Kay Koyama, Head of International Relations for J-League, where he's responsible for growing the competition's brand globally. During his eight years at J-League, Kay has seen huge changes and tremendous growth, from new and improved rights deals to a boom in social media presence and, of course, the arrival of European footballing royalty with the likes of Podolski, Iniesta, Villa and Torres. In the pod, Kay talked about the impact these legends have had on the league's profile, both domestically and abroad, and the role J-League plays in their recruitment and marketing. We also discussed the growth of the league in recent years, how it compares itself to other domestic leagues, and the role of DAZN, both in terms of the visibility which the broadcaster provides and how it helps to curate a progressive, forward-thinking image for the league. Right, let's get into it and welcome Kay to the pod.
1: Hi Alex, thanks for having me.
0: So let's start with the arrival of these global superstars, which has been happening now for five or six years, What's the role of J-League in attracting these players to come to Japan? And does it have a major impact or is it more down to the clubs?
1: Yeah, so obviously, you know, there has been a huge impact on the league side and also on the club side when such a superstar like Andres Iniesta or David Villa, came to Japan. Of course, the, the initiative is from a club, in this case, Vissel Kobe. But uh, we as a league, of course, we very closely working with the club to promote the impact internationally.
0: So let's talk about that impact for you in your job. This must have been a huge change in your day-to-day and in how people see the J-League.
1: Yeah, it's quite you know significant. When I spoke to people in uh, Europe, they never watch or they don't know anything about J-League, but uh, they know there is a league in Japan with Iniesta. So when uh, Andres Iniesta came to Japan, the news was huge. Like The news was broadcast more than 300 times just within two days. And uh, I remember it was uh, the third biggest sports news in the world. But the biggest one was the uh, UEFA Champions League final and second was the NBA final. And the third biggest news was Andres Iniesta joining Visser Kobe. So we are very honored with the fact that, uh, you know, the J-League is reported quite widely in in the world.
0: I can imagine, I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news and I'm ashamed to say the first thing I did was Google Vissel Kobe to learn a bit more, but I suppose that's not a bad reaction because my example I'm sure is pretty common of people deciding, right, this is the blossoming of awareness and I'm gonna start learning a little bit about this league. So do you think that arrival of these players has had a bigger impact in Japan or in Europe or globally?
1: Yeah, it's obviously huge in Japan also. Because even you know, general news, not only the sports news, but in general TV show reported the arrival of the such superstars in Japan. But uh, you know, because I'm, I'm looking after internationalization of the league, I see more impact on international level. Because of Iniesta, a lot of people outside of Japan got to know about the J League. So this is a very big first step for for the league.
0: We're talking about Iniesta. Of course, there are other players as well who have come over, perhaps not quite of the magnitude of Iniesta. Was there anything special about the Iniesta signing which meant there was such big impact, or was it just about the profile of the player?
1: It's it's uh you know obviously in this case Visa Kobe and uh, its parent company Rakuten invested a lot and it's not just as a player but it's like a big project for all of them like Rakuten, Visser Kobe, and also player like Andres Iniesta so I would say this is not just a player transfer it's obviously more than that and it's obviously very beneficial for the league in terms of the how we can grow the audience of fans outside of Japan as even in Europe
0: Talk to me a little bit about the relationship then between J-League and the club. At what point does J-League become aware that a club like Vissel Kobe is thinking about or on the brink of signing a player like Andres Iniesta? Is it, is it right from the beginning where you start talking collectively about this ambition? Or do you find out about it later on? And how is the work between the two sides to make sure that you maximize the benefits that a player of his quality coming can bring?
1: Actually, you know, we we, we we didn't know anything about the deal until the announcement is made. But once the announcement is made, obviously, we are very happy to help the club to maximize this, you know, the momentum exposure worldwide. Because the, in, in many cases, the club doesn't have enough human resources or resources to kind of increase the exposure outside Japan. So the league ourselves are, you know, closely working with the club and uh, try to maximize the exposure, you know, globally.
0: So, Kate, take me into the boardroom, be it the boardroom at Visel Kobe or the boardroom at J-League. When people start talking about the possibility of Iniesta arriving or the possibility of Torres or, or, or Vio Podolsky or whoever it might be, And what I'm interested in knowing, and I know that you come from it personally from one side, but I'm sure the two sides are discussed. I'm interested in knowing the balance between the on-pitch benefits that a player like that will bring, chances of winning trophies, improving the quality of the league, improving the quality of players around them, bringing over sophisticated professional training methods, etc., etc., versus... The off-pitch benefits, I'm thinking about the marketing, the visibility of the league, the visibility of the club. So in the boardroom, is one side given more weight than the other? What's the real reason why these players are being brought over?
1: I think there are many aspects of the benefit that those players could bring to us. Of course, on the pitch, because the J-League is trying to be one of the higher level in Asia, even trying to catch up the, the best five European leagues. So in order for us to increase the level of the football on the pitch, obviously those superstars from Europe could help a lot. But at the same time, even not football fans in Japan, like uh, casual fans, everyone know about Iniesta or Torres, you know, even they don't follow J-League in, in daily life. So it's quite a huge impact on uh, off the off-the-pitch side. Like uh, when Iniesta came, a lot of people came to the stadium just to watch him. I don't know how much, you know, he's earning really, but uh, obviously the investment is made because of the two factors, on and pitch and off-the-pitch.
0: Let's talk about the growth that that's brought. Can you give us some perspective about just how much J League has grown over recent years? Let's say the eight years that you've been at J League, again, both domestically and globally.
1: Yeah, so I think that the biggest turning point for the J League recently was the, the partnership with the Zone. It was made in 2017, it was a very historical moment not only for j but also for Japanese sports. There are a couple of aspects and reasons. The One, that the scale, scale of the deal, it's, it's more than like a 2 billion US deal for 10 years. Now it's extended to 12 years, which is quite a huge deal. And the second, it's a first deal for any sports in Japan to make a partnership with the OTT player as a main broadcaster. Now everybody is familiar with OTT, but uh, back then, nobody was you know, really understanding what OTT is, but uh, GA League was the, one of the first leagues in the world having a partnership with the OTT player like the Zone. And uh, the, sadly, it was a first deal for any Japanese sports to make a, such a big deal with a foreign company, in this case, the Zone, from, from the U.K. originally. There have been many Japanese. Like a rights holder, like a national TV or pay TV, but never never had a deal with like a foreign foreign company. But this is the first time. So there are a couple, of, you know, big moments and uh, aspects of the this this deal. And uh, since then, of course, uh, we got more money to invest. So the league and the clubs are getting more flexible in terms of investing into the future, like uh, bringing a player or you know having more. Better facility, or we have more flexibility for the management. That that's very important, and uh, because we can have, we now have more room to invest. So we see more future in the international market as well, not only Japan. So now we're trying to penetrate in other markets like in Asia, or we're trying to be more like a, let's say, internationalized league in the world.
0: I remember that um, Zone deal. I was working at Zone Group at the time. And in fact, Zone retains a 30% stake in Football Co. to this day. So we were spun off out of DAZN here at Football Co. And I remember that deal. And I remember internally at DAZN, it was all anyone would talk about. You know, it was incredibly exciting. We were, in fact, Perform Group at the time. DAZN was a part of Perform Group. And it was all anyone could talk about. And there was a real sense of excitement, not necessarily because the J-League was the J-League, but a sense of excitement, as you say, that this deal was a major domestic deal, which would also be international. and And it wasn't OTT first, or it wasn't OTT priority. It was solely, exclusively OTT. And I think it opened a lot of people's eyes, probably internally, certainly externally, to the fact that this is a reality and becoming increasingly part of the football landscape so I remember that being a real kind of boom moment okay you talk about uh, these international markets you, you, you mentioned Asia what are the key markets for J League as they think about international expansion
1: obviously you know the Asia is our key like Southeast Asia the football level is still not that as high as Japan but the population are growing and uh, the people love football so the Southeast Asia is the one of the key area we are looking up. So we bring a lot of talent from there. And then especially from Thailand, there have been huge fans and followers in Thailand watching the J-League day by day.
0: That's interesting because I'm sure different international markets will represent different challenges to you. And I apologize if this is a very Europe-centric point of view. But for me personally it's difficult and I think for most people in Europe and, and probably in the Americas as well, it's difficult to watch a ninety minute match of J League because of time zone issues and, and so on and so whereas in Southeast Asia that's probably not the case. So do you have different strategies for this target market or target region of Southeast Asia which you talk about and then elsewhere like the Europe like Europe and the Americas?
1: Yeah, so you know, the Europe is not our key target in terms of, you know, revenue generating. But it is very important for us to be more present in Euro- Europe because it, it's uh, the center of football in the world. Yeah, we put in more more and more effort on our social media strategy. Like uh, three years ago, we only have 150 million annual reach across all the platform of or our social media. But last year, we have more than 700 million million reach across all the platform. The decent portion is from English-speaking country, like from Europe, the US, or even from Australia. So I see, you know, the jelly is growing its presence not only in Asia, but in Europe or rest of the world.
0: Which platforms work best? Do people want to watch, um, you know, short-form video clips, short highlights, or are you able to get people onto a longer form platform, something like YouTube to engage with content for a longer period of time?
1: Yeah, of course it's depending on the market, but I would say Instagram, Twitter works very well in like a Europe or English speaking countries. And also we just launched TikTok account, especially targeting more like a younger Gen Z generation. So we need to adjust ourselves to, you know, the trend of social media. Also, we're trying to catch up everything.
0: Okay, you mentioned earlier comparison with other leagues. You talked about the top five leagues. When you and when the J-League as a whole are thinking about your position in the global football ecosystem, which are the leagues which you most frequently compare yourselves to?
1: Um, so actually, the J-League has set like a long-term vision, which is called J-League 2030 vision. In that vision, we are trying to be the best league in terms of the player development, because we have produced a lot of uh, good talents and exported to Europe, like higher level leagues. So we want to encourage more. We want to export more player, but at the same time, in order for us to increase the level of the football here, we need to bring more international talent as well, so that we can have more circulation of the players, so we just expanded the, the, the players' quota for the league. So we are encouraging the, our clubs to acquire more in you know, a good international player. It doesn't have to be like a superstar, like Andre Signeur Star or David Bija, but uh, we should have more like an international player in the diversity. We can get more diversity in terms of, you know, the players playing the J League.
0: Would you rather see a big global Superstar come over from Europe in the summer transfer window and play in the J-League and sign a two-year contract, you know, someone in their mid-30s, let's say. You already know the impact that would have. Or would you rather have a young player from the J-League who's had a couple of great seasons and is now, I don't know, early 20s, head over to one of the real European giants and make a big impact breaking into their first 11, regularly playing Champions League football? What for you of those two options which would be better for the, for the J-League's brand, for the J-League's image?
1: It's, it's a difficult question. I would say both both are very important. Of course, you know, bringing like superstar like Andres and Yifter, it's it's a huge impact, but it's not easy to bring another Niefta. <laughs> but again, we, we should keep bringing international talent to the league. And also, as I said, you know, J-League is center of development of the player, so we committed to produce more talent and export to a higher level in Europe because that's the, that's the driver for our development as a football nation you know, of Japan.
0: Yeah, and there are certainly already plenty of examples of that happening, right? Three Japanese players at Celtic. Um, You've got Tomiyasu having a fantastic season at Arsenal. Of course, Kubo uh, in Spain, you know, remains a bright hope. So, of course, there are plenty of examples of, uh, of what you're talking about there. And you talk about being a footballing nation. We can't ignore the fact that we're in a the biggest year of every four-year cycle for the footballing world. Uh, the Qatar World Cup is coming up later this year. Japan are, as we speak, in a decent position to qualify, although not yet assured of qualification. How important for the J League is it that the Japanese national team does well? And do you work closely with the federation?
1: Yeah, we are very work closely with FA, in this case, JFA. I think it's quite unique. In some countries, you know, the league and FA sometimes has different opinion or, you know, some argument. But in Japan, J-League is a professional league in Japan, but it's for the development of football in Japan in general, in, of course, increasing, uh, including the Japanese national team. So that's why we committed to produce more talent and then export to Europe because we believe that's going to be beneficial for the future of the national team.
0: I think it is an important distinction and I think there is a disconnect with many leagues and national federations in terms of priorities. There's frequently arguments, especially in international tournament years where the federations will accuse the domestic leagues of perhaps not doing enough to either nurture talent or not doing enough to protect that talent in the build-up to playing for their national league. So that's interesting that that it happens with J League. Okay, I'd like to bring up Another league, which I think I see some similarities between J League and this league, and, and that's the MLS. And I wonder if you're the same, of the same opinion, because when I see the J League and what you're talking about, and I think about the MLS, I see certain similarities. Number one, this desire to bring through and nurture young talent to provide a platform whereby they can grow, they can become quality players, they can be exported to major European leagues, they can ultimately represent their country and increase the chances of the national team performing well on that stage. There's also the angle of bringing in legends from Europe, which raises the profile of the game, which increases visibility both domestically and abroad. And perhaps the final thing that I see there is that football's not necessarily the king of all sport in both Japan and the U.S. I saw one study which said only 25% of Japanese people say football is their favorite sport. Obviously, in the U.S., it's, it's been a, a rapid growth, but a long-term struggle to try to compete with some of those leagues. Would you agree with that? Is the MLS a league that you look at, and would you agree there are similarities? Yeah,
1: I agree that there, there are a couple of similarities between the two leagues in terms of the you know, size of the league or... Like you mentioned, producing young talent and also bringing international talent to the league. Yeah, I see. I see a lot of similarity, but it doesn't mean like we are kind of benchmarking MLS or anything. We're just just trying to be, you know, the our to find a unique position in the world of football, and we believe the J League or Japan football uh, can catch up the best league in the world in a few years.
0: The MLS talks a lot about having a particular attitude and a particular identity. They talk about football, soccer, of course, over there being all about swagger. And they like their athletes. They like to encourage the athletes playing in the MLS to have this sort of sense of bravado, the sense of personality. Social media plays a big role in that. The MLS certainly domestically talk about the passion of their crowds, They talk about the fan culture. Do you think J-League has, when you talk about its position within the global game, do you think J-League has a specific position to say this is what it's all about? This is what makes J-League unique versus other football leagues?
1: I would say geographically, you know, J-League is located in Asia. And then Asia is center of development in terms of economy and population, everything. The future is in Asia. So we're trying to be the kind of Premier League in Asia so that uh, we can be the play for any footballer in Asia nation, dreaming to play out. That's the biggest advantage we have and a unique position in the football world.
0: And how does the J League continue to grow as a brand domestically in these key Asian markets that you've talked about and also globally? What's the strategy for the next 10 years?
1: So in order for us to grow more internationally I would say like I mentioned the Asia is still our key territory so we stick with the our Asian strategy to be like a premier league in Asia we we, we keep bringing top talent from Southeast Asia or you know football nation in Asia that that's the first thing but at the same time in order for us to keep our league standard as high as possible we need to be more accessible and visible in Europe as well. Because if J League is getting more visible and uh, get more awareness in Europe, I think there'll be more players or coaches in Europe get to know about J League. They might be interested in J League and coming over to, to in Japan. I think that's also important. So I think there are two ways to gain more fans in Asia and also gain more reach and awareness rest of the world especially in Europe which is centre football
0: I think you're absolutely right Kay we've come full circle back to the importance of growing organically and the importance of these big European stars coming over as we started about and I repeat that was how I first started paying attention to the J-League so that absolutely makes sense to me from a personal point of view Kay thank you very much for your time it's been really interesting talking and understanding about the J-League's current position in the football ecosystem and what's coming up next
1: Thank you, Rx. It was very fun for me.
0: Okay, for any of our listeners interested in the J-League, where can they find out more?
1: You can check on our social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all available in English. So please visit our social media.
0: Well, I can certainly endorse the YouTube channel. I I follow all the channels on, on different social platforms, and I can certainly endorse the YouTube channel in particular. I think there's some great content there. Well, thank you, Kay, and thank you, listener. Please make sure you're following this show wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. And don't miss any of the upcoming shows. We've got some great guests coming up. All the best. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. In association with SoccerX. Connecting football for 25 years.